Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello, everyone, and I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast with us again today. This is Jody, and today I'm going to introduce you to an incredibly courageous woman, Angie Chaplin, who is going to talk to us about her journey to rebuild herself and her confidence from a place of chaos, despair, and addiction. From the loss of a job she loved, the death of a close friend combined with an unhealthy marriage that eventually ended in a difficult divorce, Angie's life was in chaos. She had lost her sense of self and, like so many of us, turned to alcohol as a way to cope with the pain and confusion. Adding to the perfect storm of struggles came career changes, moving to a new city and a health crisis that led to a failed suicide attempt and multiple hospitalizations for severe alcohol use and withdrawal. Released from her fifth hospitalisation in February 2020, she chose a commitment to sobriety, which currently stands at 505 days sober, which is so amazing. And so began the journey to rebuild herself and her confidence and rediscover her strength to turn obstacles into opportunities. Now leveraging her journey from alcohol addiction to business owner, Angie is the founder and owner of Mindful Leadership, a coaching and consulting practice grounded in leadership research and guided by mindful behavior. She is a sought after speaker, coach and educator and is one of only 50 certified masters of the Leadership Challenge. I know we will all get a lot of inspiration and learning from today's conversation. So I am absolutely thrilled to welcome Angie Chaplin to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Angie, welcome. Thank you, Jody. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Awesome. What a story. Well, the last 505 days, but probably longer than that, the last probably two to four years for you has been such a big challenge, such a big life challenge that I think so many of us find ourselves in at different stages when things go wrong, marriages go wrong, life goes wrong, jobs go wrong, things things happen. We come to these points in our life that we're maybe not prepared for at the time. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your story. Just like you said, Jody, for many of us, it's a lack of understanding or a lack of leveraging what healthy coping mechanisms look like. And whether it's some of the struggles that I went through or whether it's something in the course of a typical day, sometimes we, somebody pulls out in front of us in traffic and (laughs) we might immediately feel enraged and start beeping the horn or shouting bad words at that person. (laughs) I've never done that, Angie. (laughs) Right. Of course not. And it's just you know, from my experience, it was a combination of unhealthy coping mechanisms yeah. simply because I lost my sense of self. Yeah. So even any 
other healthy ways that I had dealt with struggle or, you know, unforeseen circumstances in the past, because I had lost really the essence of who I am as a person, all, all of that felt lost to me also. And thrown in the mix were the other circumstances of, you know, my friend's loss. And a lot of my identity was tied up in the job Mm -hmm. that I lost. So I, yes, it does. So when I lost that job and my friend's passing and the deterioration of my marriage, all of that just kind of combined to really begin the decade long struggle with alcohol addiction. Yeah. So it's really that combination because in isolation, sometimes we can cope with different bits and pieces, but when we get that just avalanche of too many things to deal with in the one, the one year or the one couple of years, it sort of wears you down, doesn't it? You probably can cope for a little while, but then just get exhausted from always being in that fight or flight mode, that coping place. And we look for other things to try to get us through. Right. And at at the time I wasn't, I, I didn't tap into some of the healthy healthy tools that I now have that I've learned through recovery, things like, you know, mindfulness and meditation and exercise and yoga and talking and connection and all of the things that now I am very intentional about having as regular parts of my day. So I don't wait until it's crisis mode to tap into the tools. I'm proactive about knowing what sets me off. So if I need to face a situation that makes me uncomfortable um, and, and, you know, is something new or something I just, I, I have a growing sense of anxiety about, I can work these tools into my preparation yeah. so that I don't find myself really at the end of a crisis. Yeah. When we're at the coping part, when we're at, we're already through it, it's hard to actually think about what to do at that point. You're sort of just putting, you know, like icing over a mud cake, as we sometimes say, <laughs> trying to cover up what's already a disaster. It's that preparation, as you're saying, like to be in that place of preempting and being on the forefront of what the anxiety or the needing to cope or the stress that those sort of things. Right. Exactly. And just being aware that that self-awareness was key. And for me, I, I, I really became isolated and isolated and drinking and not having healthy ways of working through things again, just continued to deteriorate um, as I, you know, kept trying to figure out how I could get through some of the circumstances and situations that I was yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to talk more about that because I know it is something that, that so many of us find ourselves in. It's really, you know, the, these crisis moments, these ways of coping. And I think some of us, well, many of us wait till we're in crisis or at that point or the stress or have lost jobs or really broken before we then go and find mindfulness. <laughs> I'm sure people will be inspired today to really be on the front foot of getting these things built into their life to be able to deal with these inevitable 
crises that come along with life, you know. But anyway, we're going to get a bit more into that. But I want to know for you, what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? For me, I am at my most confident self when I am aligning my behaviors with what I value. Right. So the yeah. the understanding of what are my core personal values yeah. and how how do my behaviors correlate with what I hold as values and that's that's what I'm able to more easily adapt in circumstances that might be unprovoked or an, an unexpected occurrence. Yeah. And it, for me, that's that's when I feel my most competent yeah. is when there's alignment between what I value and what my behavior looks like. Yeah. So you're really being, it's like the, that authenticity, isn't it? It's like you're being true yes, to who much. you are and, and what you believe. So no matter yes. what's going on outside of you, you, you're proud of the way you're dealing with the situation in line with who you want to be right and it's always a bit of practice I find (laughs) always it is it is it's a journey you know life's a journey and there are peaks and valleys in all of our journeys and it's knowing what we do at the top yeah that will help us when we get down to the bottom after the next crisis comes through because we can't we're not exempt from it no so we're all going to have stuff that happens in our lives and the more that we can be proactive and know what works for us yes then the better prepared we are yeah and I always find I know when when I've overstepped that mark or when I haven't necessarily behaved in a way that is in line because I can't stop thinking about it like I know I've left that situation and I can't stop thinking about what I've said and how I could have done it better and then I really just try to go to either go back and sort out what I made a mess of I used I just said I call it cleaning up my mess if I've made a mess and I've said something that I shouldn't have said or I've gone off the handle a little bit too quickly or what have you and then I go into really quickly about forgive myself so I'm learning I'm keep up you know I'm always going to sometimes find the boundary and sometimes overstep it but it's if you mm-hmm. the majority of your time is trying to manage that and stay true to who you are and what you believe then yes and even the most confident woman stuff it up and yeah. st- <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. We all do. So, all right. So you've mentioned that the loss of your sense of self after you lost a job, a close friend and your marriage, which essentially, which was essentially a loss of confidence and a lack of belief in yourself. And that all led to the alcohol addiction. How did right. alcohol fill this void for you? And when did you realize that you were using it as a coping mechanism and that it, that it just had to stop? What it did for me was made me numb. So yeah. while I was attempting to numb the bad feelings, you know, I, I didn't want to feel depressed. Yeah. I didn't want to feel the shame and the guilt and the loneliness and all the feelings, you know, all the hard stuff. I didn't even, I, di- I wanted it to all go away. Yeah. So I could drink to forget about it. But the reality is that it doesn't go away. No. It was still there the next day. Yeah. And I would wake up and be even more ill-equipped to handle it the next day. Yeah. And 
you know, that's, that's what, that's what addiction does to our brain is it makes us think that it's working. And I made that attempt to keep it working for a very long time and did not, it didn't sink in for me until, as you mentioned in the intro, five hospitalizations is what it took for me to have kind of that wake up moment and realize that it, it was making things worse. Yeah. And it was not, nothing was going to get better until I got better Yeah, and made it work from the inside out. Yeah. And had you, had you looked at different strategies along that path and then like, I was, I'm trying this and then it, then you went back to the alcohol and it, what was the sort of that, that last break? What, what was the change in, you know, maybe the, the, the attempts beforehand to try to get sober or cope or learn mindfulness what what was the change the last time was it just a a rock bottom of that's part of it absolutely and in the past you're right I had you know I I would say I'm going to quit today today is my no this is day one and by the end of the day I would forget the resolve and I would again you know turn to what I had always turned to yeah And the most recent hospitalization, which as you mentioned, was back in February of 2020, I was in the hospital uh, and in intensive care for a week. And on the day that I was getting out of the hospital, I was meeting with the doctor and he sat me down and looked me right in the eye and said, you have two choices. And just the way he was speaking to me, it was like, you know, very direct, very kind of in my face. And he said, you can keep drinking and you will die. Yeah. And I had heard something similar before, you know, you keep drinking and your liver is going to continue to fail and your pancreas looking, you know, all this stuff, but the way he put it, you know, you keep drinking, you will die or you can stop drinking and have a shot at improving your life. Right. And something just clicked and, you know, I was 49 years old and my two sons were becoming fabulous young men, college students. And I just realized it was kind of like looking my own mortality in the eye and realizing I'm not done yet. There's much more that I want to contribute to this world and I'm not ready to allow the substance to control my life. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it interesting that we all hear things about alcoholism and drugs and prescription and, we, you know, we all hear things and we, we still go, oh, it'll be fine. Well, uh, right. that doesn't apply to me or I'm not there yet and whatever. And then we get to these these points. But isn't it interesting how the same information can be delivered by different people and then something stick that doctor you know as you said you've heard it so many times before in different forms or what have you but the delivery that he gave was the the last the last straw that you heard you actually heard it at that point I did I did and from that point forward I um so I was discharged from the hospital and I started an intensive outpatient rehab program so that consisted of nine hours of counseling in-person group sessions and one-on-one sessions with a substance abuse counselor. And then 
in the US, COVID hit and we were locked down. It's and like 2020 for that, you. It's like 2020 yeah. was the year anyway, let alone trying to. Right. I know when I read February 20, I was like, oh my God, we're all going into lockdown February, like from March 2020. And then we we're all drinking more because we we're all stuck at home right. and you had to manage yep. sobriety through through that time. Right. And it was at that time that I, I really started knowing that to make this work, to stay committed to the promise that I made to myself, I needed to utilize every possible tool that was out there. So I did a lot of researching and that's, that's what led me back to rediscovering and redefining my values. I also connected with a program and a book called this naked mind and the author of that program is Annie Grace. Okay. And I've connected with different coaches and I've become a mentor in that program. And it's it has a, a very strong focus on mindset right. and community slash connection. Yeah. And that that for me just continued to move me one step along my journey and recommit that journey every single day. Yeah, absolutely. And connection, I mean, connection has been talked about so much through COVID because we all lost so much of it and realised just how important that is to all our our mental health, our daily lives and connecting through the way we did telephones and Zoom and not being able to hug your grandchildren and not being able to hug your friend and not being able to sit and really connect, the difference was significant for so many people. So it brought it to to a lot of us to realise how important maintaining that connection with people and talking things through and, you know, that sort of stuff, how much it makes a difference to who we are. And it's also looking beyond what's right in front of you. So I had to be creative And, you know, I couldn't let myself fall victim to yet another excuse Yes. and say, oh, well, you know, it's COVID, it's a pandemic. So (laughs) what else am I going to do at four o'clock in the afternoon? Of course I'm going to drink, you know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it is, you know, once I had that resolve was to surrounding myself with all the resources and all the all the online programming, all the virtual Facebook groups, all the online meetings, everything that I could to keep me grounded in my choice to stay sober. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Really, really inspiring because it was such a challenging time for so many people and then to manage already coming out of the challenges you were and then walking into that challenge was a big effort. So after all the adversity you've experienced and through all of the challenges, I think it's safe to say that you have transformed yourself. So when are you the most confident version of yourself now? Again, when I'm consistent with my values, that's really where it begins internally for me. But the ability to have the courage and the support in sharing my story, knowing that whether it's a substance abuse or a struggle that someone's facing, you know, even if it's, you know, they're addicted to social media or whatever it is in their life that they're using as a coping mechanism. 
if it's an opportunity for them to question their relationship with that item, whether it's alcohol yeah. or whether it's media or what, you know, food is certainly another one. Yes. Just to question and, and, you know, to look at it from an awareness perspective. Yeah. That's when I feel confident that I made the right choices. And that gives me the confidence to continue to make the right choices as I move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And it does, it takes an incredible amount of courage. You know, when I, when I read your story and I was like, wow, you know, it does take so much courage and confidence to be open and authentic about the types of things you've experienced in your life and your story. And so, you know, so many people experience this and it's shameful for them and they don't talk about it. But then when we do, you realize there's so much learning for people. You know, it is challenges that we all, we all tend to face. So we know that courage and confidence do fluctuate throughout all our, our podcasts and throughout all our programs. We are always talking about building a foundation of confidence because it's, mm-hmm. It is going to fluctuate. I, I'm a confident woman and I have days that I am not a confident woman. Right? So, right. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It's an ongoing process. So, you know, when did you have really low confidence and is there a specific confidence building technique that you then use and continue to use now to build your confidence back whenever it sort of slips or you, you feel like it's lower than you need it to be? I will do um, yoga poses and certainly that's not that, you know, I'm in a public setting and we'll all of a sudden start breaking out in (laughs) yoga poses. Dog in the middle of the shopping center. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I, that's not going to (laughs) happen. However, there's, there's a lot of breathing, breathing techniques that I've learned from yoga that help me really get re-centered in myself. And thankfully I have a strong community of friends and, you know, just my own personal mentors and support, support teams that kind of are my champions and really, you know, and those, because there, yes, there are, there's moments every single day that I have to sometimes dig really deep and just not let myself dwell on the past. You know, you can learn the lessons from the past without getting stuck there. So you kind of, you extract what we, what we learned from it. And then we apply that to similar situations, you know, as we move ahead. And so it's, it's not being afraid to say, wow, I'm really stuck in this. I'm not get this out of my head. I think I'm overthinking this. I don't know where, why this thought keeps popping into my brain and I I just can't get rid of it. And so it's being, it's that self-awareness of knowing it, but it's also knowing that I can't be afraid and don't have a reason to be afraid to admit it. And to turn to a friend and say, hey, can you help me talk through this? And know that that's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we talk a lot through all, again, all our sort of podcasts and programs about the importance of the people around you because they're going to make or break you really. Like you need those people that you can call on and just talk it through or that person that when you're on a low day, 
you know that they're going to be that cheer squad. You know they're going to be on your side and doing whatever it needs. Because if you connect with the people who are also bitterly critical about the world and negative and, you know, and they're, they're a dime a dozen, you can find them easily – you just both start on the spiral down. It gets worse and worse. You really need to know that person that's going to pull you out of it, even if they have to straight talk you and go, listen, you're overthinking this by a mile. (laughs) Like, move on. You know, my business partner, Anastasia, does this for me all the time because often she comes into our office and I'm like, oh, my God, this is another. (laughs) And she's like, really, we've got – we don't have long to work together today. Is this going to take long or can we, like, fast track (laughs) – fast track the whinging and just get on with it you know but you need those people to really be that wind underneath you to be like pushing you along and and helping you get through those times and knowing that you can call on them when you can't do a downward dog in the middle of the shopping center (laughs) yes exactly and I think to your point knowing that if I've chosen wisely, the people that I yes. invite into, into my space or part of my tribe, yes. that they're going to love me anyway. Yeah. That, you know, no matter what I'm dealing with, you know, that's not going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe what type of person you are. Yeah. You just, you know, they're not going to shun me. They're no. not going to turn me away. You know, we, yeah, I, I've got business partners and I've got close friends that I, you know, I just know that even yeah. if I say, wow, I really screwed that up yeah. and I'm sorry, you yeah. know, they're, they're not going to turn me away if I need and truly want their input and invite their input yes. also. Yes. And isn't that a key point? Because it's asking for that input when so often we get input that is not asked for, (laughs) you know? Oh, yes, we do. We do, right? And it's really making that distinction of whose opinion or whose support you're asking for and not just receiving the people who decide they want to turn up and tell you what they think at the time. So right. there's a clear distinction we need to make in that and and be very conscious about those choices of who we have in in our world because it's you know it it is so important and as I said it can make or break your life and your happiness and your success so you know make it a conscious decision. In our course I say you know I've had parenting advice from people who aren't parents. I got business advice from family members who wouldn't who had never run a business in their life like you just right people sometimes feel like it's helping I guess but thought I've got to take a step back sometimes and go really do they know or is this hearsay have they read it and you know it's so it's yeah you have to be onto it all the time so you know speaking of business you run a business called mindful leadership and there's a great line on your website that says Leadership is everyday people making extraordinary things happen. And I really, I loved it when I read that. I really think that's so true. So the concept of leadership is not relevant only in the workplace, but really in all areas of our lives. So with this in mind, what role do you think confidence plays in being an effective leader? I think it's important for us as leaders, and I do believe leadership exists at every level, whether that's leadership from a family perspective or leadership in our communities or in our workplaces, organizations. And when we are able to connect 
who we are. So the yeah. essence, the self-awareness of our innate leadership qualities, and we continue to allow that to grow and to identify and work on that, but also connect it with what we do as a leader. Mm. That's when the, that's when the magic happens. And I think for many of us, we will we'll assume that leadership doesn't really happen until we're the CEO or we're yes. the president of a company <laughs> yes. or we are making, you know, half a million dollars and we have the corner office of the penthouse level of the building. That's not, that, that doesn't mean where leadership, it's not exclusive no. to somebody at that level at all. It's more about what do we do on an everyday level that connects who we are as a leader with the behaviors and the actions and the decisions that we make. Yeah, absolutely. And being at those levels with your corner office in the penthouse doesn't say you're a good leader either. It just... Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Right. Yep. You're so, right. Yeah. So it's, but I think absolutely it's, it's really the qualities of leadership in, as, a, as you're saying, your community or your family or what have you. So where does confidence then step into that as far as, is it, is it coming from a place of really your belief in your values and like what you were saying before about, you know, where you identify as being such a confident woman? Is it, for leaders to really know that in themselves and find that and then their leadership behavior is showing that? Do you think that's the link with the confidence? Yes. Yes, exactly. And it goes back again to that insight or that self-awareness Yeah, that I know who I am as a leader and knowing who I am builds that foundation of confidence that you mentioned earlier. So when I know who I am, Mm. then the decisions and the actions become easier because they make sense. Yes, I'm not trying to decide what do I do right here? I'm not at such a dire state of confusion and inaction because I'm more comfortable with what is in line with my values because I know what those are and I know what those look like for me. Yeah. And it's so important. I read a quote the other day that's, I think it said, you know, hang around with people committed to personal development because the conversation is different. And, you know, um, both Anastasia and I are very committed and, you know, my husband and I are very committed to personal development. We do a different program every year. That's our commitment to just keep learning, keep, discovering keep changing you know all different all different points of me aging different challenges come in different mm-hmm. ideas I'm parenting I'm now parenting a teenagers like it's you've got to stay on that learning and discovering and finding better ways well, not not even better but you know more effective ways to do things and ideas change I find it really almost hard to understand how people that aren't really getting to know themselves and learning those values and aligning that really cope without doing that because it is it takes so much work but it the rewards yeah. are so great you put the time in one way or another yes. so either you invest the time in your personal growth and development at the front end of a situation or chances are you spend a lot more time, a lot more money, a lot more struggle when you don't know who you are yes. and you're grasping at all of these 
attempts to try to deal with the situation at hand. Yeah. So it's that you're going to, you're going to make the time if you choose to make it worthwhile. Yeah. It's just how and where, and when do you choose to invest that type of energy and time? Yeah. Great point. I think that's true. You, it's like being on that, what we're talking about at the very beginning with your mindfulness. It's, It's like, having that stuff in the preparation time rather than at the end in the, oh my God, my life's gone to hell and now I've got to try mm-hmm. and fix it time. <laughs> right? right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, we all have, look, we all have negative thinking and self-doubt and this can often set us back when we're trying to achieve something, especially if we've already been in a low or dark place and we've had to rebuild ourselves before. So what do you do to now manage these feelings when you feel those creeping up on you? I will admit them. I'll acknowledge yes. them. I'll, I'll kind of in, almost investigate, you know, what is this feeling? I'll name it. You know, why am I feeling embarrassed right now? Or why am I feeling nervous right now? And I'll try to kind of, I'll, I'll acknowledge it first of all, but then like you, I've got a wonderful business partner named Dusty that I turn to very frequently. She's also uh, a business owner and she is seven years in recovery. So we are able to connect on a variety of, in in a variety of different ways. So she's definitely somebody. And even my kids, my sons in college, Um, you know, they've seen me and thankfully have, have supported me through some really great moments and some really not so great moments. And I value their perspective because yeah, they, they know what our family history looks like. And so although I don't always listen to them just in the (laughs) same way, they don't always listen to me. I do invite their input because I do feel that it's a way for me to hear it and see it through their eyes. Um, But again, you know, I, I am blessed with a wonderful community of friends and just, you know, supporters and I, my champions, my yes, tribe. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll often say how much I love my people. Yeah. And I really do. I have some pretty amazing people that I am able to connect with on a daily basis. Yeah. Great. Because it is the negative thinking, the self-doubt can take over at very unexpected times. You just wake up going, why am I feeling like this? But I think it's so great that acknowledgement and then just analyze, well, what's happened? Why am I feeling like this? What's, what is going on to try to come out of that rather than letting, I say to my clients, you're on the negative thinking wormhole and there's no light at the end of this tunnel. Like you're just going, you're just going to go further down. You've got to stop. You've got to stop it. Don't just let the mind just keep going, keep going. It's not going to pull you out by yourself. You have to consciously change this thought pattern or change this negative thinking or change this moment. But the only way to do that is to first stop the momentum. And I think your point about really going, what is going on here? Like, why am I feeling that starts to stop it because you're in reflecting mode and then you can start trying to get it back. You know, is this, well, you know, is there anything really to be fearful of? This is something new. That's why I'm feeling self-doubt and wow, that's pretty normal. So that's okay. You know, those sorts of things. 
rather than just spinning into the wormhole deeper and deeper and deeper where it gets so much more challenging to pull yourself out the the lower you go, right? Yeah, and I think it's important to um, really look at what you just said about, yeah, sometimes we feel self-doubt and sometimes it is okay. That's that's natural, that's normal. Yes. And, you know, when I do speaking opportunities, I still get nervous, but it's it's acknowledging that I'm nervous and acknowledging that it's okay to feel nervous. And honestly, I would be more afraid of not feeling nervous before going into a situation like that. Because I think if we're truly passionate and if we truly care about what we're doing, that that's a good kind of stress that gets us excited. That's the adrenaline, you know, that's all the healthy chemicals that are doing their jobs and getting us in that moment or in that zone. So I do think what you say is, yes, acknowledging that it's okay. This is okay to feel vulnerable right now or to feel disappointed right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have the same thing with the speaking and I, I, I refer to that a lot because there's some of us, you and I, Angie, that will get up in front of an audience and other people that would rather die than get in front of an audience. I know, absolutely. Yeah, but I talk to them about, they're like, but I feel so much fear before. And I'm like, I always feel that's part of the process. When we we filmed our online course, we, we filmed an online course two years ago and then another one just at the beginning of this year. And it was such a different medium because there was no audience and no adrenaline and no fear. And it was me in front of a camera and it was it took so long to learn this different. And at one point I said, Anastasia, we just have to hire a hire a crowd for me to like actually be able to do this because I was actually yes. out of practice. Well, not out of practice. I didn't – it was like a whole new way to learn to deliver content because I was so used to those feelings of fear and doubt and adrenaline and all that and I, I had learned how to manage that and deliver – the performance or deliver the, the content and then right. take that away it was like oh no I need I need that that back you know but yeah it's yeah, this, I agree that's always there and it's great for people to start to realize that that are they are the moment because you're outside your comfort zone and that's a great place to be like a great it place is. to be so sometimes we we want we want self-doubt and the negative thing it's learning which is what we do learning the tools to implement when that starts to happen as you said you pull in on your mindfulness and all those sorts of techniques for you to use in the preparation leading up to that possibly anxious situation mm-hmm. and you yeah. get on the front foot of it you get prepared for it yep I do yeah awesome and what are, what other thing there's mindfulness and yoga you said is there any other things that you found really work for you as techniques I will look at uh, like positive images or positive quotes you know I will save graphics or memes or Instagram you know and I'll keep that in my library on my phone so if I am feeling that I need a boost in the middle of my day or I've had a difficult conversation or heard something that might have been not something I wanted to hear that's a way that I can very instantly feel a boost my energy and in my spirit 
and and that sometimes will be all that it takes to kind of write my mindset yep. again and you know kind of put it in a better frame of frame of reference for me um so that's that's another kind of a, a, a quick tool that I will turn to also yeah it's like having having those things on hand we use playlists and things like that I know I'll put on my Spotify playlist that you need those things ready to go so when you're in the moment when you're having a bad day you can instantly put those into your world and and start you know turning it around yes yep. yeah music is a one too oh fantastic yeah absolutely and lastly, what would you say to someone who's currently feeling confused and low in confidence and like that they've lost their sense of self because of maybe grief or addiction or divorce or career changes or any other you know number of the chaotic life struggles that people experience on a day-to-day basis? What would you say to those people and how to sort of take those first steps to bringing themselves out of that? I I will invite the conversation about what's important to them in their life. And what I'm getting at with that question is, do they have a sense of what they value? What are those fundamental beliefs? And sometimes, you know, when we're in that, that deep, dark moment, if somebody at that time would have walked up to me and said, oh, Angie, what do you value? I would have probably said something very inappropriate or (laughs) walked away or any other kind of behavior. So it's, it's not just going up to somebody and saying, so tell me, Jody, what are your values? You know, when you're in the middle of some really deep muck at that time. Yes. Um, But it's, it's asking them to, to kind of think about, you know, we all have an internal compass and it's kind of that guiding North star for us. And a lot of times we get lost, uh, we lose sight of that. Yeah. And it's a way to think about, you know, if you were to redirect or reorient to what those compass points or what that North star is in your life, what would that look like? Yeah. Family, love, joy, you know, some, some, some of those more commonly held fundamental beliefs or values can often get them to start thinking about it, even if it's just planting a seed of what that foundation can grow from for the situation that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. And what what about addiction and where are the first steps to go when you start when when you start to realize it's damaging you it's damaging your life you can't continue what was that first step for you that you took on to really get yourself out of that situation because I think so many of us you know especially through COVID I know the stats on how much we're all drinking and whatever and and our mental health has decreased and we're all finding new ways to try to navigate the, this sort of, I guess, the new world that we're coming into. And it's it's changed. It has changed. Yeah. And with that means we have to change. We need to learn different ways to run our lives now, or different ways to connect, different ways to cope with very challenging situations. What was those first steps for you? Two of the first steps that I took were to make two lists. One was to write a list of as many reasons as I could think of why I drank. Right. Loneliness, yes. you know, the very long list. 
And then on the second list, it's reasons why I want to stop drinking. Yeah. And really getting a closer view at my why. Yeah. And remembering my why. Yeah. And for me, it was rediscovering who I am. Yeah. And I, you know, a lot of people, and it's very personal, what people pick for their own personal why. And I think for a long time, of course, I said for my family, for my kids. Yeah. But what, what I finally learned is that I had to do it for myself before I could do it for anybody else. I had to love myself before I could be open to loving anybody else or feeling lovable. Yeah. I had to give that same compassion to myself before I could extend that to relationships, to partnerships, to friends, family, the people that are important in my life. Yeah. So you went really to the self-work first. It had to be I did. It had to be about you getting back to who you were and loving who you were. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's that's that was the the difference in this time for being sober versus the hundreds of other times that I tried. Yes. Yeah. It's so important and it's it's such an important thing that we we often overlook until where we can't overlook it anymore, like until we're in crisis. And I think people are aware, much more aware of their mental health, their strategies they're using now because we've, we've all, all around the world, been thrown into chaos and confusion and things. So now more mm-hmm. than ever, we need to be on that front foot and really taking care of ourselves. But really, as you're saying, get in touch with how do I love me? How do I get back to who I am, what my values are and, and really – just be me and love me and then I can be the best version of me for everybody else around me especially us as women with our families and kids and all that sort of stuff yeah yes very much awesome all right so now we're going to do our final rise women power questions that we ask all our guests so Angie what do you wish every woman knew her values yes wouldn't that be great Great place to start, isn't it? Wouldn't if we all started there, we all knew our values. And what is your superpower? Although I I think you'd have a long list of superpowers at this point. But what do you thank you? I say that sobriety is my superpower. Oh wow. That's amazing. Amazing. That would be such an inspiration to people because that as a superpower is what gives people the inspiration to step into into that place and really take that on now heels or flats are you a heels girl or a flats girl when I am in front of an audience I choose to wear heels yes me too when (laughs) I am sitting in my office I choose to be barefoot yes oh you're a barefoot we should add that heels flats or barefoot we should add that yes very much (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Barefoot is good. Okay, what what's your favorite quote or rule to live by? My favorite quote is there's several favorite quotes by Brené Brown, oh, but yes. the one that really resonates with me is that owning your story is the most brave thing you'll ever do. Yeah. And kind of parallel to that is that when we do own our story, 
we can choose to write a new ending. And so when I did that, you know, I am still writing my ending as my life continues to move forward. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And finish. Oh, sorry. No, who inspires you and why? Uh, I'm not going to pick the obvious one of being my two kids. I'm going to say that my, my business partner, Dusty is an inspiration to me because she has been down the path that I'm on and I turn to her frequently for her wisdom. Um, she also gets me (laughs) just on, on an emotional sense on an intellectual level. And so she's someone that I would consider an inspiration. Yeah. Awesome. And finish this sentence. Last one. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would own a bigger company and hire more employees. I'm sure that's on its way. I'm sure that's on its way. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Now I want to call back on your, on the quote you just said, because it is courageous to own your story, but I really want to say to you that it is even more courageous to share your story and have the courage and everything to put this out into the world because owning your story, yes, and acknowledging that, but sharing your story like you've been doing makes such a big difference to people out in the world that might be struggling, that might identify, that might even not identify with you, but they they connect on some level and they take the learning. We can only learn from people who go to that vulnerable place and share things about ourselves that are the struggles, that are maybe the not so great things we're proud of or what have you, because we are all there. We are all, we're all in these places at certain times. So I just want to thank you, Angie, for yes, having the courage to own your story, but having even more courage to share your story and come on to the podcast today. I know it'll make a difference to people, uh, to our listeners, and it's imp- it's an important message that um, that you're that you're stepping into and sharing. Thank you, Jody. I really appreciate your kindness. I I value I value you and your work. Thank, thank you. thank you. And thank you everyone for listening today. And remember, there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be. So please get in touch or visit us at risewomen.com. We are on a mission to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal. And we do that by getting our programs and resources out to as many women as we can. So until next time, remember, with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now.